Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Peter Elwin, um, and uh, my wife Sue and I have been a member of this church for quite some time. And uh, as you may know, um, we are currently uh, working from home and uh, spending time sort of uh, being a bit cautious around COVID. So that's why I'm uh, doing this slightly uh, unusual video presentation. But um, but it's fantastic to be able to uh, to be with you like this. And today we're going to be looking at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 14. And Hebrews is basically all about Jesus. And that's the topic that I'm going to be looking at today as part of our focus on Jesus through the course of Lent. And I know that uh, quite a few of you are taking part in Lent Bible studies and using the book that Carl has written, uh, looking at Hebrews as part of that study. So this is a way of getting into that, if you like. So let's get started on Hebrews chapter one. Now, always good to think about the context, think about uh, the sort of the background to the book, what's actually going on and, and, and who the author is and why they were writing the book, what they were trying to say, both to the people they were writing to directly and obviously what the book itself has to say to us 2,000 years later. Now, the author of Hebrews is uh, is not sort of actually known. There are a number of theories. Um, some people think it was Paul. Uh, some people think it was uh, one of the other disciples. Um, it doesn't really matter. I think you can spend a lot of time working it out uh, if you want. You can read up on uh, the various different theories. Um, but from our perspective, it's, it's more important to sort of understand um, who they were writing to and and the sort of the, the thought processes uh, that were going on in the minds of the people that they were um, they were they were talking to through the letter to the Hebrews. Now, they're clearly writing to people who know the Jewish scriptures, that the clue is really in the name. Hebrews is obviously targeting people who were either Jewish uh, or had a very strong understanding of Jewish culture and uh, the Jewish law. And the Old Testament. Um, but it's also true um, that if you look through Hebrews, you get a sense that the person writing it also had a very clear understanding of Greek philosophical thinking and expected that of their audience as well. So it's a very interesting sort of combination of the two cultures. Now, the focus of the book of Hebrews is Jesus. And if you sort of skim through the, the titles to the different sections, always quite a quite an interesting way of getting a sense of what's actually going on in a book. Um, the first 10 chapters are really all about explaining who Jesus is, what his character is, what his nature is. And then the remaining three chapters, in broad terms, tell us how we should live as a result of knowing Jesus, what effect we should expect, if you like, uh, in our lives as a result of building a relationship with him. But for today, what we're going to spend time thinking about is simply this first chapter. And this first chapter is a great introduction to the book as a whole. And it's completely focused on the character of Jesus. So let's get stuck in. Verses one and two um, says that God has spoken to us by his son. Now, remember the author is writing to people of a Jewish heritage. They're very used to God speaking through prophets. 
That's what the whole of the sort of the Pentateuch is about. Moses speaking God's word to God's people. And thereafter with the judges and all the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, um, all the way through the Old Testament. It's all about prophets speaking to God's people. So there's that sort of uh, that distance, if you like. Now, the key point here is that the writer to the Hebrews is making the point that God has spoken to us by his son. What does that actually mean? Well, think about how John, uh, the Apostle John, explains it in the Gospel of John. John uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John refers to Jesus as the word of God. And here in Hebrews, we've got the the same sort of echoes of of that concept. God has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the word of God. The very sort of communication that God wants to give is actually Jesus. So this is the way that God is actually making himself known to humanity is through Jesus, but not through Jesus in the sense that Jesus is like a sort of a a telephone line or a channel for communication, but through Jesus in the sense that Jesus is actually giving us a clear picture of God, a clear representation of God that we can grasp, that we can actually engage with uh, on a human level. Many, many places in the Bible, it explains that, you know, if we were to try and actually sort of uh, engage with God in his fullness, in in all his sort of uh, godliness, um, essentially our heads would explode. We just we just couldn't comprehend or actually cope with that sort of uh, that that level of extraordinary. So Jesus is the way to God, the way that God communicates to us, makes himself known to us. And then in verse two, um, it again echoes what John is saying in in his first chapter, through whom also he made the universe. And again, if you compare that to to what John says in chapter one of John, verse three, through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. And it's interesting in this verse two in Hebrews, this uh, this phrase is translated as universe uh, in the NIV. Um, in, uh, in in other translations, it's uh, it's given a slightly sort of a, a different um, a different word, but it comes from a Greek word aeones, meaning aeons or ages, and you could translate it as um, through him also who, through whom also he made sort of all of time. He made all of the ages. He made everything. Jesus made the whole of history. He created time itself. Now, if you're a, a fan of uh, sort of Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, as as, as I am, and as, uh, as I know Carl is, and one or two other members of the congregation, um, you will have come across the concept of the multiverse, the idea that actually there's not just one universe, but there are multiple universes, and uh, characters like Doctor Strange can sort of travel between them and generally get uh, get confused in the most recent film um, around which multiverse he's in and how it's actually going to work. Well, if you want to take that sort of view, then essentially Hebrews is saying uh, Jesus made the multiverse. He made absolutely everything. So it's not just sort of the, the world we live in. It's not even just the solar system. It's actually the whole of time and space. That's God's 
creation and read the, the start of Genesis to get a, a picture, a representation of, of what that actually means, that right at the start, there was nothing. And out of that, that darkness, out of that absence of anything, God created light and he saw it was good. And from that, everything came. So Jesus is the foundation. He is the creator of the whole universe. And like John, the writer to the Hebrews wants to emphasize that point, that Jesus is the creator. He's not the created. He's not something made. He's actually God. He is the source of everything that we see around us. Now, in verse three, the writer to Hebrews goes on. And again, there are echoes with uh, John's gospel. Verse three says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, again, compare that with how, with how John describes it uh, in his gospel. Verse four, chapter one, John says in him was life and that life was the light of all humanity. Jesus is God's glory, not giving glory to God in a sort of a distant um, handing something over to the greater being. Jesus actually is God's glory. That's his very nature. That's his very character. And in John uh, chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, think about that beginning of Genesis. God created light. Jesus is saying, I am that light. I am the, the light, the life, the essence of everything. I am the light of the world. I am what brings life and light to the world. I created it and I can create that life and that light in you. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus goes on to explain that he is the one who sustains all things. He provides life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what sustaining really means. The writer of Hebrews wants us to understand that Jesus is the source of life and life with a capital L, life to the full, not just a sort of half life, not just a, a getting by, not just making do, but living life to the full. That's actually what Jesus is promising. Think about Psalm 23, that, that famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it goes on later in Psalm 23, my cup overflows. And you'll remember that's a cup overflowing in the context, even though I walk through the darkest valley, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The psalmist understood that this was the life that God was promising. And Jesus is saying, this is the life that I can bring to you. That's what sustains means, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And going on through chapter one of Hebrews, verse three continues to say the son is the exact representation of God. If we want to understand God, if we want to know God, 
then we need to get to know Jesus. And this is the reason that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because Jesus was a human, we can relate to him. We can get to know him. We can understand him as a person. And that will need, lead us to knowing God, the God who sustains all life, who created time, the God who is Jesus. There's no way to get to know God without getting to know Jesus, because they're one and the same person. They're part of the same thing, if you want to, to use that sort of impersonal phrase in relation to God. Jesus isn't separate from God. He's not a, a pathway to God. And particularly, he's not a pathway that you can choose or you can choose another pathway to God. There are lots of religions and philosophies in the world. And because we are humans with that sort of God-given, God-shaped hole in us, even without knowing Jesus, even in our ignorance, we can come up with concepts of God that are not far removed from the truth. But if we really want to know God, we need to know Jesus. And if we know Jesus, then we know God. That's what Jesus means by, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you want to know God, you need to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you're beginning to get to know God. You're beginning to grasp what God actually means, who God actually is, what the nature and the character of God actually is. And continuing with verse three, because Jesus is God, he can heal our sin. He can open a way for us to live in harmony and peace with him and with each other. Because it goes on, Hebrews goes on to say, after he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Poetic language just to describe that Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way to reconcile ourselves with God. Jesus is the way that we can actually break through our sinful natures. We can break through the wrong things we do. We can break free of the chains that bind us as a result of the bad choices that we make every day. Jesus actually helps us to break free from all of that. And he can do that because he is God. That's what the writer means by he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It means he took on that, uh, that, that rightful place as part of the Godhead. And again, John's gospel has parallels in John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus, again, speaking about himself, says, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. What an extraordinary statement. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Get to know Jesus. And we gain eternal life. We gain that permanent link with God that cannot be broken. That permanent relationship that nothing we do thereafter will actually be able to uh, to tear apart, 
to separate us again from God. So that's what Hebrews is trying to tell us. Hebrews is really trying to tell us very, very similar things to what we find in John's gospel, what we find in the Old Testament right back in Genesis. And no great surprise, because the whole of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is all focused on trying to give us a sense of who God is and just how much God loves us. And Jesus is the embodiment of that character. He's the absolute representation of God to us in human form, in a way that we can really grasp. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean in 21st century Sussex in a, a modern world full of so many things that uh, would be completely alien to this writer of the letter to the Hebrews 2000 years ago? Well, what it basically means is that Jesus is central to Christianity because he's the only way to truly get to know God. You can come to a, a concept of God without Jesus. You can work it out in terms of philosophy. Remember Paul talking to the Greeks about uh, the altar to the unknown God? And he said, well, look, you know, you're getting there. You're getting a picture of this this God that you can't quite sort of get your heads around. But actually, I know somebody who can give you that perfect picture, and that somebody's Jesus. And that's the message for us today. Truly knowing God, knowing Jesus is the only way to actually gain a proper understanding of God and to actually, more importantly, have a relationship with God. And that relationship is the only way to have life in all its fullness. That's why Jesus is so important to each one of us today in the 21st century here in Slatham in Sussex. If we're separate from Jesus, then we're living a tiny fraction of the life we could be living. We're living life on sort of zero when we could be living life on a hundred. Jesus is promising us life in all its fullness. But the other key thing to understand is that knowing Jesus involves so much more than knowing about Jesus. It's not about head knowledge. It's not about theory. It's not about sort of reading the Bible and, and, and writing down. Oh, yes, I know, I know. I've learned another fact about Jesus today. Pat myself on the back. I can add that to the list. Head knowledge is, is helpful, but truly knowing Jesus requires faith. We actually have to put our trust in him. We have to put our belief in him. We have to put our faith in him. We have to become like him. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to love without any payback. We have to actually engage with the idea that Jesus, God, it's not a slot machine. It's not a it's not a transactional relationship. Oh, well, God, you know, I'll be I'll be a bit better if you do something for me. I'll I'll pray if you uh, if you get me a new car or give me a nice house or or give me a job or whatever it might be. It's not a transactional relationship. We're not sort of bargaining or buying things from God. We're in a relationship of love. God calls us to love him. And Jesus showed us what that love actually looks like. 
that love is completely giving. It doesn't require anything back from the other person. Read Corinthians 13 if you want a, a long sort of uh, exposition of, of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't count wrongs. But that's what Jesus is like on a permanent basis. And he wants us to take on that character. And as we get to know him, as the Holy Spirit comes into us and gives us that capacity, that, that power to build that relationship with God, then we can begin to turn it round. We will become more Christ-like, both in our own natures, but also then in the way we relate to others. And that's so important in this modern world in which we live. That's so important in Slapham and Handcross and Peace Pottage and Staplefield and broader West Sussex and London and the, the whole of Europe and, and the world. It needs Christ-like people. Humanity is crying out for people who are prepared to love without expecting a return. As it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But it's not just sort of doing things because that, that gives God a good brand, if you like. It's not saying we should be good Christians because that makes Christianity seem like a good thing. It's actually if we get to know Jesus, we won't be able to help being more like him. We won't be able to help loving our neighbours as ourselves. We won't be able to help loving our enemies as though they were our friends. We will become more Christ-like and others will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven because they too will want to become like him. They too will want to build a relationship with Jesus. So that's my prayer for, for me and for you, that over this Lent period, we get to know Jesus better. And as we get to know him better, that we become more like him. We become more Christ-like and we become more loving. And we give that love to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.